Alright guys, we've got a good one for you today on Trophy Kids. We're recapping the Clippers' epic failure in the NBA playoffs. Heat, Celtics, Game 1. Also got Tim on the line to talk about the Lions' meltdown. We're talking Big Ten news. And I'm giving out my college picks at the very end. So make sure to stick all the way through. Let's go. And welcome to Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is September 17th. And we have got a show for you. As always, I am your host, Nate. Got my good friend, Dante, on. How are we doing today, sir? I am doing well, Nate. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. We got some things to talk about today. We're going to cover some announcements with Big Ten. We're going to cover some bets in my gambling record this past weekend. But first, we have to start, have to, have to, have to start with the NBA playoffs. This bubble has given us some big moments. I mean, to be honest, from the start of it, I wasn't sure going into the bubble, but they've given us flawless execution from the the bubble standpoint. We've gotten great games. We've seen young guys come out and ball out. We've seen some really good competition. And now we have seen one of the biggest choke jobs in the history of the NBA in the L.A. Clippers. What are your initial thoughts? (laughs) I posture that this choke job that the Clippers did may be worse than Golden State blowing three Three to one to uh, the Cavaliers to uh, for LeBron's championship in Cleveland. I think this is worse. Explain to me why you might think that worse. I don't off off the initial take. I don't hate it necessarily. I could I could see an argument being for that. It's because it's definitely up there. <laughs> so, not that the the I want to dispel the notion that the the Nuggets came out of nowhere and that the Nuggets didn't deserve to win. I have to dispel that. The the Nuggets is a they are a team that is well coached and more importantly well built. And you can see when their pieces start to fall together that they became kind of unstoppable. And this and this lends itself to like um the notion that in the playoffs we play a different game, right? Um, so you can see this. I think this is very apparent by uh, reinserting Gary Harris into the lineup, right? When he was on the floor for this last game, I believe he was either plus 19 or plus 20, even though he only scored 14 points. But just having him out there with his defense and his threat of shooting, you are able to see like, okay, this is what the Nuggets do. With that said, here you have the LA Clippers where who, you know, did everything they could to get rid or to get Paul George on that team and to get Kawhi on that team to lose to the Denver Nuggets, which I can tell you that most people probably couldn't name more than three people on that team. I would 100% agree with that. Um, I, one, love the point you brought up. They do have the Denver Nuggets. It is definitely something that I think the casual fan probably doesn't realize. They are a very good built team. Like they had all their players complement each other well. They're really kind of selfless with the ball. I mean, Murray obviously gets up his shots, but you saw right. him in the Joker. He's happy to distribute and then get his shots when he gets them. Like they all kind of blend very well. Um, but you are right as well. The Clippers, I mean, the amount of hype they have, the amount of star power they have, in Kawhi Leonard alone, who many have tried to make the argument is the best player in the NBA, which Right. At times, you might be able to make that argument. I don't. Uh, he's a very, he's a great player, one of the best in the league for sure. But there, that's the mindset out there. You went out, and you got playoff P. You got Patrick Beverly, who's this defensive specialist and artist. They did more talking and didn't walk the walk in this series. They 
created a ton of bad karma, I think, with what Morris was doing out there in all series. I do like Morris, though, but, like, what goes around comes around here. You talked. You didn't back it up. You shot terribly from the field. You're supposed to be this team that's supposed to be able to compete with the Lakers and potentially win championships, and you shot, what, Kawhi Leonard went 6-for-22 from the field? Paul George went 4-and-16 from the field in that final game? Like, what are we doing here? I don't... I don't know if you have to completely blow it up, but to to be up 3-1 and not be able to get a game and to collapse yeah. the way they collapsed in the fourth quarter is embarrassing for an organization I mean, like you combine to go for zero points in the fourth <laughs> quarter. That's unacceptable. Because, and it's unacceptable for two reasons. One, you have um, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. These are superstars in their own right. If one of them isn't firing on all cylinders that's fine because we've traded away our future for the other superstar and he is throwing bricks off the side of the backboard that three-point shot (laughs) by paul george in the corner oh my goodness (laughs) i i i was dumbfounded i was standing up at my tv mouth agape just like what is happening and it's it's even it's even worse because you could see the frustrated frustration set in with the clippers while watching this game and doc rivers just left them out there to die he didn't try to readjust the rotation he didn't try to give them rest he didn't do any of that he just fell apart in the fourth quarter also lou will does not get he, he my ire he doesn't miss my ire either you're supposed to be out there lou will to stop scoring runs you're supposed to be out there to manufacture quick points he didn't do much no nothing role players didn't step up stars didn't step up i like that you brought doc rivers into this conversation because i think the pot the circle of blame includes everybody in this organization but doc rivers especially i'm starting to believe and i've sort of held this for a little bit doc rivers great human being awesome guy from all i can tell I don't know how good of a coach he honestly is. Like, he wasn't great with the Celtics before we put together the big three. And, like, I hate the notion that, like, coaches don't help win championships because there is this – like, you do have to manage personalities. You have to manage a team. You, ha- you have to help him be cohesive and play within their roles and stuff. So, like, there is – he definitely played a role in getting them that championship. But I'm starting to wonder if he has ridden those coattails – to a higher opinion of him as a coach, like we view him as a higher opinion of a coach, when he might not actually be that good. And he might not be the guy to get the Clippers to where they need to be because he didn't make any type of adjustments that I could at least see that put him in a position to win this game. And good coaches would do that. Yeah, I. so Doc Rivers, I think, is a good coach. Is he a good enough coach to get the Clippers to their first conference um finals i don't think so i don't know if that coach exists though so i'm gonna put that that's true that's fair uh but with that said what he his performance in the fourth quarter that was i i think that performance in the fourth quarter yes your stars didn't produce but then it's up to the coach to make the proper adjustments at that point yeah and that did not happen and just like rally morale because that team 
folded quick and hard in the fourth. And they were gassed. Yeah. And that is coaching in the organizational part of, like, getting these guys in the right preparation, the right mindset, the right conditioning. Part of it's on them, too. They're professional athletes. They should be able to go. You got Joker out there throwing giving goes (laughs) like it's 1978. (laughs) Talk about a player who just – I love him because he just does not look like he belongs out there on the court with literally anybody, and yet he just – balls out um there's like those stories of him killing like two liters of coke like they're nothing and like oh i do love the joker but yeah it is it's embarrassing it's embarrassing to be up 3-1 against a very good Denver nuggets team but a young Denver nuggets team and a team Mm -hmm. that you should be able to get one game out of like after being up 3-1 like you there are it was their stars didn't show up, and their stars are – they're not even stars. Like, Kawhi is a mega star in this league. Yeah. Like, he is in that that He's top tier. Brand. Yes. And yeah. he did not show up. And he is a guy that we have said – and he did last year for the Ron- Toronto Raptors, and he has had a good career prior to this season. But, like, to not show up like that. If LeBron had done it, the oh. media's hair would literally be on fire every he day all day. He would have to day. retire yeah. if that happened to him. He would literally have to retire if that happened to him because the media would never – allow him they would take that crown and the media is so eager to take the crown the one that they gave to him mind you <laughs> yeah true i mean when you dubbed the guy the king at 18 yeah. like <laughs> he was dubbed it early and I-, I give lebron crap too all the time but like Kawhi, that was pitiful like you are and you be- you brought up the point too like it's one thing for paul to have a bad playoff p to have a bad game you're that type of player him kevin durant lebron james these are the guys that, no matter what, are supposed to be solid. And to have 14 points, six rebounds, can't six happen. assists in Game Seven, can't happen. I don't, I don't know if you blow this up. I don't see how you though you could return with this core of players next year. Like what, what makes you think they they could do any better next year if you just return the same core? Here's my my issue with it. You you build a team. The Clippers built the team that was made to build to beat the Lakers, right? That is a defense uh, a defensively minded or oriented team, right? That are are there to stop LeBron and to stop um to stop their seven footers. Um so with that said, what did you trade away? What are you what pieces are you missing in order to beat teams who can do a give and go or who can you know spread you out a little bit or have a dead eye shooter in jamal murray like yeah also jamal murray is kind of unfair sometimes yeah Um, (laughs) but you but the good thing like if you're beating if you're going to beat jamal murray which the clippers did a few times is uh he'll continue to shoot bad shots yeah that's true. He'll uh-huh. try to shoot himself into a game, if he, especially if he's, yeah. Yeah, if he's not in it. That is true. <laughs> but at the same token, I saw him in game five or game six. It was either game five or six. It, he started off shooting poorly, and then he shot his way back into that game. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, I guess you obviously are not getting – like it's kind of the same conundrum I think Houston's in in a little bit because like you're at this point. Where you have you have your your guy Kawhi in this case Houston Harden which I think presents a, a unique problem in and of itself as far as like a guy who also didn't show up um, and hasn't showed up in the playoffs. But I I think it 
it feels like an overreaction to say blow it up, but at the same time, like Paul George is the same player he's always been, where he has really good regular seasons, and for whatever reason, he can't put it together in the postseason. And you need, I'm looking at this roster, and yeah, you're built really good defensively, but you need another guy offensively. This is an offensive league. I know defense does technically win championships, but you need a guy who can be a scorer. And Paul George, if I'm looking at this roster, is your most valuable asset. So maybe you dish from somewhere else. Like you, you go out and you look to get a trade because I don't, I don't know how else they get better here. Yeah, that's I don't, true. I just I, don't know. I don't see how they get better here. <laughs> I think if you're a Houston, you do blow that up. Even though, I'm sorry, there's some sort of dog barking outside. Um, oh, there we go. <laughs> I knew that was gonna happen. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Take this out. Take, take a portion out. of out. Yeah. <laughs> Piper, Piper, calm down. Sorry oh, you're good. to the listeners. Oh, but uh, I think with Houston, you 100% have to blow that up, even though it pains me because it's a product of blowing up another team. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I think yeah. – Okay. No <laughs> <laughs> so I think you do have to blow Houston up. I think – the Clippers should look for coaching changes before they start talking about personnel. That's fair. And there's also another part of the equation which we haven't talked about, and maybe they would have benefited in another year where you have an actual home court advantage, where you actually have fans in and kind of momentum changes. Who knows? Maybe they would have played better. There's that element that we don't know. I think the the benefit of the bubble is we have the most neutral of sights ever. So you really get the most like pure form of the game. Who is the best? There's no additional kind of benefit here for a team. And may- I would like maybe we have a different conversation if this wasn't in the bubble. Maybe they clip, clip it out. Yeah, I would like to see, like, the point swings in the bubble. I feel like I see teams down a lot and then come back, especially Miami. Oh, uh, they'll yeah. be down and then come back and win. Um, I feel like that's happening more in the bubble than it would during the regular season. And, and to your point, that probably has a lot to do with the crowd. I I think that it definitely – I think it definitely has a point. Like for a player like Jamal Murray, for example, or Donovan Mitchell or these younger guys who maybe don't start off a game hot, if the crowd's really on them, the pressure's going, these huge momentum swings, do they really catch fire like they do here in a very neutral site? There isn't really a crowd. I mean I know they have a virtual crowd and they're piping in noise and stuff, but like that doesn't count. Like it's different. It's a different atmosphere, and I do wonder – with the the product has been phenomenal. I'm super happy with what the bubble has produced and like the players that have come out of it. But I do wonder, like, how big of an effect, like, would we even be having this conversation? Would the would the Clippers have lost all three games if they were able with the travel between home and away games and everything else that goes into it? Maybe that's a built-in advantage, and that will make us look like fools next year if they don't blow this up, they don't change coaching staff, and then they're in the Western Conference Finals next year against the Lakers. So, <laughs> like, this I have game. a feeling, like. I know everybody said Doc is going to get fired and uh, Doc this and and how poor how poorly he coached that fourth quarter. I have a feeling though we won't see much change with the Clippers. I uh, yeah, I doubt it. I don't I don't think uh, Ballmer's going to do a whole lot here, and I don't think the GM or anybody in the front office is really going to be rooting for a big upheaval. I think they're going to take the mindset like this is a weird year. We get to chalk it up to a weird year. Maybe we'll add a role player in free agency or something, but like, or another piece, like another solid piece to fit in. But we're not. Yeah. 
I, I agree with you. I think a lot of what we're saying here isn't going to affect. I think if this outcome happens next year where they don't – Oh, yes. They're not He's in – Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. say, if they're not in the Western Conference Championship and they aren't competitive in it, like I don't think they maybe have to go. Like If they went to like game seven of the Western Conference next year, they're not blowing it yeah. up. But like if I mean, they, they for all intents and purposes they they've won because they've never been there. Yeah. <laughs> and if they lose, that's true, very true. Um, you brought it up though with Miami. It's a good good segment kind of transition here. We got the Celtics Miami game. It's going on right now as we record. Game one did not go the Celtics way. I have been one. This series to me is that Spider Man gif where like they're pointing at each other. Like these are the exact same teams almost through and through. Um. It's going to be an awesome series. I do think it's going to go six or seven games. I hope it's going to go yeah. six or seven games. Um, but Jimmy Butler, I, I love this man so much. Even though we're playing him, I absolutely love him. And I do have to give credit because it's becoming more and more apparent as this playoff goes and you see teams like the Sixers, the Timberwolves, the Bulls, all sitting at home, all worse since he has left, that Jimmy Butler is one the biggest alpha in the room, but two, he has found, I think, a very good fit in Miami. In Miami, I feel like we don't talk enough about how well of an organization and front office Miami is. Like, they have yeah. really, they found some diamond in the rough players. They all fit well together. They're all super feisty and, like, willing to fight for everything. And it's it's fun, at least from my perspective, it's fun to watch. I know you have a little bit yeah. of a different view, but, like, it's no, no, no. at I least like on Miami. the series. I just, yeah, like, I just my interest in watching. Yeah, that's what I meant. I should say interest. Sorry. Yeah, Miami and the Celtics is. I, I just don't have a high. I'm not really high on them. With that said, Drag Drag Dragic mm-hmm. and Jimmy Butler, like that combination. Plus, you got Bam out there blocking. I have the, to give him that might be the be, that might be the best defensive play I've ever seen. That yes. might that might be the best defensive player I've ever seen. Like and then play, defense play. Crowder, you know, not that he scored a quiet twenty plus points, but it's just like, you know, Crowder's gonna go out there and give you twenty. If Dragic drops more than twenty five any game and you pull any of these other people off the bench, you get Tyler out there, you get Iguodala out there, any of them out there and they just give you a little more, I don't see how the Celtics are going to beat Miami. Yeah, so the Celtics collapse in the fourth quarter was a problem, and that I blame. One, I mean, the players should have been better, but Brad Stevens, we talked about it with with Doc, Brad Stevens deserves some criticism here. I saw a lot of not team basketball offensively in those last final kind of minutes in the fourth quarter. I saw a lot of kind of almost ISO, go get your own bucket. And that, as a coach, you got to call a timeout. you got to get some continuity going. You've got to get some teamwork going offensively. That's when the Celtics really strive. I think the Celtics win this series. One, Kemba has to be better. Has yes. to has to be better. Yes. Two, Brown has to be just a little bit more consistent offensively because the minutes you're getting with Brown defensively are good, I think. But when he scores north of 20, if he gets mm-hmm. 20 points in a game, the Celtics, I forget the record, it's something absurd. But they never lose if he gets more than 25. If he gets like above 20, I forget, it's an, it's an absurd number. So like he's got to get a little production. But what's going to help is if Hayward comes back. If Hayward comes back and adds just a yes. little bit more depth, he doesn't even have to do too much. It's just it's that second wave when Miami's rotating out their starters and their true guys, having that extra depth, having guys that are on the court that can score. That, I think, gives the advantage. Other than that, it's going to be really tough. We're going to have to hope for Miami to have some really bad shooting nights. Um, well, 
and you know another issue that Miami has, right? So Jason Tatum, with him being the player that he is and the size that he is, he takes a little pressure off the um, the center. What's uh, the Celtics center? Sorry, um, excuse me. You mean like Williams coming off the bat or bench or our yeah. starter? Because Williams your starter. Um, oh my god, now I'm blanking on him. Not, Not Lester. Um, Daniel. Uh, what's his name? Um. I can see but the man face. doesn't score. Yeah, he no, he's a defensive guy for yeah, for sure. He De- he's out there for yeah, defense. And so it makes Daniel Tice. So- there we go. Jeez, I yes, could not yes, think yes. of his name. I could see his <laughs> face, but I just couldn't think of his name. For some reason, Alexander kept coming to my mind. I was like, definitely not Alexander, but yeah, yeah Daniel Tice. So yeah, so you got you got Tatum out there dropping 30, but you got your center standing there with four, oh. six points. It can't happen. And Right now, without Hayward, your depth on the the Celtics is a little is shot, yeah, a little bit. Um, and you do got Williams coming off the bench, but he's been uh, giving I'm good sure minutes, that, like good. He's been a pleasant well, surprise this postseason. Last, last, let's see, I think he gave them two points last time. Yeah, not great, not there, but like last series, he was a pleasant surprise. They stopped bringing in Cantor, who I like Cantor as a person for the most part, but like, like I think he's a good guy. He's a good basketball player. But like he wasn't, he wasn't nearly effective enough. And I did like that Brad Stevens went to Williams because he did give really good quality mo- minutes. And he also has to get going. I think. Um, Here's the other thing too. We we brought this up with PG with with playoff P, pandemic P, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> uh, he's a superstar. Kimba Walker is that tier underneath, right? Yep. And Kimba does this thing, and I know people from Boston or people from. Uh, who love the Celtics are probably going to be mad at me. Kimba does this thing where he makes you think that he has played his heart out and he has scored <laughs> 55. Kimba didn't score 20 points last game. But the way he was playing and the way he was mouthing off and yeah. the way you would have thought he dropped 30 on them. Yeah. He did not. Yeah. That's I I like Kemba because he does. He does have that fight in him. And you are you you hit it right on the head. Like he does have that. Like you watch the game, and you're like, oh, he's got to have twenty at this point. He's got like eight. Like he is. Yeah. For all the criticism we give playoff Paul, playoff P, Kemba does is flying under the radar in a very like he's had some really big moments, but he's faded a lot and like in yeah. an un unacceptable way for a guy who like Tatum's obviously the star. But right. Kemba's supposed to be another the star. Supplemental, right? Yes. Yeah, he's supposed to be there to help. Well, he, I guess not supplemental, but yeah, you know. he's supposed to be that like number not two guy. Um, and he's just not right now, and he's not performing well. And and that's a real weakness because Miami, at least in game one, it seemed to me that they took the approach that hey, Tate, kind of like you saw this with like Kobe. You see this sometimes with LeBron, where teams just go, you know what? They're gonna score. They're gonna get their thirty points. Let's just let it happen. We got to lock down everybody else. That and is my favorite strategy. They, they really did that. Basketball. And, like, without Kemba or Brown, really, like, one of those guys has to fill in and be, get, got to score and be a, be effective offensively with Hayward out. I think once Hayward comes back in, it's a little bit harder to be like, all right, we're just going to focus in on, like, we're going to let Tatum do his thing and then we got to focus in on everybody else. I think it becomes a little bit more challenging, but, like, that is a real problem right now. And in contrast, everyone, everyone super smart by who started, on the heat scored almost 20 
yeah. Bam scored 18. That was the lowest, you yeah. know, uh, your starters, that was your lowest. Everyone else has 20-plus, so. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I mean, Duncan had six, but, like, Duncan, you know, is. Well, yeah. Duncan, he can I, go I, off I at any point as a shooter. Right, but, yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, yeah. Drogic had 29, Crowder had 22, Butler had 20, Bam at 18. Like, yeah. And uh, Hero had 12 off the bench. So. Yeah, 12 <laughs> off the bench. Yeah, what do you. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if you can. If, if the play is going to continue that way, um. Yeah, but let me say this about Kimba. I am, you know, I, I'm a guards guy. I love guards, and I love anyone who is regular size. And Kimba Walker <laughs> is apparently six feet tall. Oh, I don't yeah. believe he's actually six feet tall. Nah. <laughs> uh, but this is coming from somebody who is also less than six feet. But he's a regular size dude is what I'm saying. That's wearing it's three like, pairs of socks on measurement day. Yeah. Six Just like tall. I like Lou Will, who is 6'2". Again, <laughs> these are regular size dudes out there playing this game. So the level in which they are playing it is phenomenal. I was thinking he still about has this, to score more points. Yeah, completely <laughs> off topic. Well, not off topic. It is within this realm. But it's funny you mention that because just randomly, like random shower thought I had the other day. I was thinking about how amazing it was, how good AI was. Because I, mm-hmm. I almost consider him, like, the pound-for-pound pound greatest player ever because, like, how dominant he was. And I really have to think about it, but it was one of those, like, kind of quick thoughts that I have. It's so crazy to see guys like AI, Kemba, I mean, obviously not the same player, but, like, guys that are short in this league be so good and just the amount of talent and skill it possesses, especially with, like, AI. I couldn't even fathom, like, how good no. of an ability he has to be that dominant and that good at that size and punching so far out of his weight class. It's it's absurd. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, my dad, it takes my dad to talk about AI. Uh, my dad's a taller guy, and uh, he saw uh, Allen Iverson in the airport, and uh, he calls me, and he says, I'll never, this is when AI is playing for Detroit. And he was like, can you, he was like, are you busy? I was like, no, I'm good. I, I'm not. And he's like, can you look up and tell me how tall Allen Iverson is? I was like, sure. You know, I pulled it up really quickly, and I was like, oh, it says he, I think it said 6'1 or 6' whatever. And he was like, Allen Iverson cannot be taller than 5'10", if that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy when you think, like, when you really think about just, especially in that era where it was so much more physical. Like, yeah. his ability to just ball out is, it's, un, like, I can't even grasp it. Like, to have that much skill in your body is insane. Um that's kind of all I got right now. I'm going to be interested to see how Denver – what do we – before that series kicks off, I have Lakers winning, but how do you think it's going to be super competitive? Or do you think it's going to be the I same story where game six. they'll win one game and then the Lakers will all of a sudden just turn it on? I, I think it will go to game six. I don't, I don't see this going to game seven. Not because I don't think that Denver can't win. Denver 100% can win. But there is something that is happening like midway through the series between LeBron and AD yeah. where they're kind of like like getting on the same page and clicking where it seems like the rest of the team, the rest of the team is playing. Like when Danny Green is really good, they're unstoppable, right? Yeah. Uh, and and obviously we talked about uh, a few weeks ago with Rondo, if Rondo is facilitating, but there's a point in which it just looks like LeBron and AD are playing. And when that happens, I don't know how you beat them. I don't either. They've been doing this weird <laughs> thing. It's like those things where you, you always hear about like with like old school armies where they send in like a, like an attack that they know is going to fail and they're just mm-hmm. testing for weaknesses. I feel like that's what the Lakers do every game one. Like, it feels like they just lose every game one. They figure out, all right, this is what this team's going to do. And then they just 
AD and LeBron get going, and they just ball out. That's it. Yeah, it's game, yeah. set, match. And they just come right through. <laughs> like, how do you lose if LeBron and AD have 30? How do you beat that? You can't. Also, <laughs> just a little two cents. If I see Anthony Davis catch the ball 25 feet away from the rim, I'm going to pull my hair out. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that is one of the most annoying. And he does this on purpose. It's one of the most annoying traits as from a fan's perspective of AD. I have because it's like you understand you could be the most dominant big man in the league. Like if you just sat your ass on the block and played the five position, there's literally nobody in the league that would be better. And it's not even like close. And he just refuses to do it. And I don't know if it's I, – I assume it's because he just doesn't like – like he prefers to be out. It's like a little bit more skill to be catching the ball 25 yards back and like – or 20 yards, 5 yards. 20, 25 feet. 25 feet. 25 yards. That would be a bitch of a shot to hit. Um, <laughs> 25 feet out from the rim. It's it's absurd, but it's he always does it. And I always just think like, dude, if you just got your ass down there, like I don't think anybody could stop him. He's un- As a coach, I, I know I would get thrown out of the game because – I would be on the floor <laughs> screaming at <laughs> you. If you catch this it. ball at three-point line one more time. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. It is, it's infuriating, but, I mean, whatever. Yeah. He's still phenomenal. And, again, it's not that AD can't dribble. It's no. not that AD is sweet. It, he can do all that. The problem is when you're going up against, even when he's at that mismatch, when you're going up against a guard, it's just simple physics. You're seven feet tall. You have to throw that ball so far down. I've seen him get, you know, the ball taken away from him so many times because he's at the yeah. three-point line. Yep. <laughs> it is. It's. I mean, it's true. You're not. You're not. Spot the lie. I don't. I don't spot a lie there. <laughs> um, all right. We are going to now call our good friend Tim to bring him on here for a second because we are going to talk Lions in Big Ten football. Give us one second, and we will be right back here with you. And we are back. We got Tim on the line. He's driving down the highway to some golf outing. How are we doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic. You know, it's pure Michigan weather right now. Um, I don't really want to worry about the Lions anymore. That's uh, tomorrow's problem. (laughs) Or not tomorrow's problem. Today would be Thursday. You will hear this on Friday. That would be Sunday's problem. Yeah, I would say uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. We called you specifically. You are one of my Big Ten guys and my Lions NFC North kind of guy. NFC North. Um, well, you got the NFC North right. I yeah. did. I did. Yep. Matt Patricia blowing four leads. He's dropping it like it's hot. What? It's only a sports podcast. <laughs> Reactions, thoughts. I'm going to kick it to you two as our local Detroit uh, – Residents, aficionados. I know Dante, you're no longer in Detroit, but from there originally, like, yep. kicking it to yep. you all too. To, how we how we feeling? I guess <laughs> after well, an epic collapse, we are feeling the exact same as last year. Um, nothing's changed. Um, probably the exact same as the last 25 years. I mean, that was one of the most expected, unexpected losses from a Detroit Lions fans perspective that was exactly what I expect out of a Matt Patricia coach team and a Bob Quinn hand-picked team and that is what I will continue to expect as long as they are employed by one of the wealthiest families in the world yeah so you're, you're I, not a Bob Quinn guy 
What was that? You're not a Bob, not a Bob Quinn guy? Quinn, yeah. don't, don't, not, not a believer in the Quinster? No. <laughs> not at all. No, he is he is more of a he is more of a puppet than a marionette on the stage. <laughs> so I refrained from texting Tim. I, I wanted to. But I, I refrained because I was like, Tim has to be at home pulling his hair out or drinking all of the beer or both. Um when I tell you I watched that game and it was just pure delight because I watched Twitter, Detroit Lions, Twitter, the hubris, the the so much confidence going into that fourth quarter. And I just knew. I knew. And obviously Mitch knew too because he alluded to it in his press conference that, oh no, this is what they're going to do in the fourth quarter. And as local radio hosts brought up, it did look like they had the Lions playbook a little bit in the fourth quarter uh, when you when you watch some of the highlights of that game. That was abysmal. Why even play? Why even? I, I, I don't know. I got to say, Tim, it it is it was truly something to see. The Lions did something I didn't I didn't expect to see this year. They made Mitch Trubisky an All Star, a perennial <laughs> yeah. quarterback. He turned him. He had himself a day in the fourth quarter. I think I saw it's statistically the greatest fourth quarter in the history of the NFL. Just think about that. You're part of that history, man. You you got to witness history. On Sunday. Oh, we're part of history in many ways. <laughs> um, but watching the halftime analysis that they put on, watching Mitch Trubisky throw off-balance throws that are sailing or falling short of receivers, all, missing wide-open receivers, that was almost more of a telling sign that you knew that the, the Lions were going to lose the game because all Mitch Trubisky had to do was complete throws to wide-open receivers. Yeah. He did drop that. I will give Mitch Trubisky that pass, um, his last touchdown pass. I forget who he threw it to. That was that a was dime. A that was a dime throw. That was, yeah. I didn't think he had Whatever him in Whatever his first name was. Miller. Yeah. Miller's <laughs> his last name. <laughs> where, where are you at? God. We were talking briefly off stage, and I've gotten various opinions. Where were you at on the final play, DeAndre Swift? Are you, are you, how are you feeling, I guess, about him? Do you, do you blame it on him, or are you going in a different direction? Because I, I got a different thought on I still, it. I still, I still love Swift. I mean, I don't put that, that entire thing on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I put the drop on him, sure. Yeah, of but course. But the loss, I mean, that squarely falls on those fat-ass shoulders <laughs> on the sideline. <laughs> yeah, there's no way I'm going to blame DeAndre Swift for losing that game. He should have caught the ball. There's no question about that. He should have caught that ball. But as most people have said – he shouldn't have been in a position to win the game. I agree. It should have never happened. No, when you're off that big, it's not it's not something that should even cross your mind. You shouldn't need a last second play from a rookie. Yeah. I, you I, trusted the game to a rookie. I I gotta question your the coaching there. I'm sorry. I gotta question. Now, yep, with that said, nice. Swift dropped a beautiful pass. Oh, it dro- it couldn't have hit him any better. I yeah. mean it literally <laughs> Hit him like in his numbers, in stride, in his hands, like everything. Uh, that like, I guess is one they, positive. If they call, dial up a breadbasket pass, that's what that was. Yeah, yeah. The, the coaching staff put him in the position to lose the game, but in the same turn, they put him in the position to win the game. But it, it's 
it squarely falls, at least in my opinion, on Matt Patricia. I mean, you are the defensive guy. You like to brag about how that Butler interception was all you based on the call, essentially. Like, you you, you, you puff out your chest and claim to be, conference. yeah, this, this defensive wizard. And yet, what's it, like eight now, fourth quarter, come from behind wins other teams have had against them? Like I think just that's these... the most in the NFL, too. Yeah. I think he's lost the most. Like, it's, I don't remember what the exact stat was from last year, but the Lions were like leading in the fourth quarter in every single one of their games, and they ended up with the record that they did. <laughs> so, out so, on Patricia now, right? We're we're out on him, the Mad well, Rockets. Yeah, I've never really been that out on Patricia because I don't really care about Matt Patricia. Bob Quinn is the problem. Bob Quinn is the one that wanted his buddy to come over, and they both think they're smarter than everybody in the entire room, and they won't change at all one of them holds a, a baseball bat during an nfl draft and the other one puts a sharpened pencil behind his ear when he's got a laminated play sheet in front of him i mean both things are useless just like those two yeah i so here's my thing and this is we are not i don't body shame love yourself but for a man to be that smart and for a man to know to claim to be because he has this smugness you can i'm sorry in this day and age, unless I guess unless you're unless you're coaching a Super Bowl winning team, you cannot look like that on the sideline. No, you can't. Bill no. Belichick's the only one who can wear whatever the fuck he wants because he <laughs> yeah. just he just throws his rings in your face. He's literally the only person. Maybe Pete Carroll. I don't even understand how you get a raincoat that big <laughs> in an indoor stadium. What do you need it for? <laughs> Oh, I forgot about that. That's a good because he, it's because he wanted to hold practice outside in a downpour right after the game. <laughs> you're an indoor facility and you're wearing that. Yeah, oh. why is he wearing last, last year he was having Lions practice outside in the snow when they had their next six games in indoor stadiums. Like, what is wrong with this man? Oh, that's such He's a good. He's a rocket point. scientist, Tim. He is a rocket. Yeah, scientist. he should go back. Yeah, I I think I think it's the opinion is definitely out. Matt Patricia is he's not a head coach guy. There are just guys who cannot handle that. Just like there are people who can't be CEOs. That's okay. Know who you are. Stay in your lane. You're a defensive coordinator at best, kind of guy. That's what he is. But the Bob yeah, Quinn the take Bob, is yeah, he goes way under the radar the, with those people. I know, and the problem is, is that Matt boys with Bob Quinn, he gets to pick his defensive players. So since he thinks he's smarter than everybody, he picks people that can be pigeonholed into their specific to move them all over the defense. Well, he got rid of Devon Kennard to free up $15 million in cap space, and guess what? They still have that $15 million in cap space that they did nothing with. <laughs> you know what would have been nice after Jamie Collins got kicked out? To bring Devon Kennard in. Yeah, that would have been helpful. That was that dumb. That was so dumb. Yeah, I agree. You're calling this league. You could have used a little context, and I know you technically have to bounce them, but like, come on, still sucked. I don't think it mattered in the long run, but no. it's still a funny thing. No, it didn't matter because they were still playing well the rest of the first half. Where, where are the you? Third quarter. Before we move to the the Big Ten, where, where are you for the rest of this Lions season? Where, where's your, where's your morale meter? What, what are you thinking for the rest of this season here? 
I don't know. I still want them to beat the Packers, but other than that, I don't really care. Good luck. <laughs> Aaron yeah, Rodgers. I mean, that's probably... I, 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 don't, I really don't care, to be honest with you. He's, um, he's it, fully on his fuck you tour. I because I don't even know. Uh, I mean, they could end up... They could end up with four wins this year, and Patricia will spin it to Sheila Hampford and say um, that they were... Uh-oh. I think we lost him there. This year, for some reason. Are you still there? Am yeah, I we still got you. here? We got you. Now you are. Yeah. Did I cut out? Uh-oh. Yeah, you just cut out. But anyways, the, the, the Fords, they don't want to move on. They want to keep their guys employed. They want to keep their family members involved. Um, and that's just how it is. We have, we, we have the mother, which is Martha Firestone Ford, two of the Big companies, merged families. There's a lot of money there. There's no shortage of money there. It's their playpen, but they don't want to get rid of their guys to win. Yeah, that's fair. It's true. Um, all right, let's so talk I don't about even have faith that they went three and thirteen. That that Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia will get fired. So I don't really care at this point. <laughs> Lions eight and eight. You hear? You heard it right here. No, I have no oh, idea. That's probably... That's probably the only uh, football game I watched this year because I had to watch it. it. I just had to. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I will continue to monitor Twitter whenever a Lions game is on because it is the greatest thing to ever happen. Yeah. It's almost as good as Michigan football Twitter when they're losing. Oh, that's a good Twitter. Um, yeah. All right, let's talk about something happier, a little happier times here. Big, big news. Hot mic pickup. Then the Big Ten kind of re- played a little round with it. Nebraska, it's all started. Nebraska's president, Hot Mike, saying Big Ten's back. There was a power play. Big Ten didn't want to recognize that Nebraska is the one who sort of, like, brokered this whole thing. And not really brokered it, but, like, I guess got it started-ish, um, if you want to even give them that. So they, they moved it back. But Big Ten football is coming back this fall as long as medical procedures are followed and the data stays about where it's the same. As my two Big Ten guys, you've got to be ecstatic about this. I mean, I'm ecstatic about it. It feels feels good and right to have the Big Ten participate in this fall. I'm excited. Nine games. We're starting on October 24th. The Big Ten is back, baby. And I, you know, I'm going to be the positive guy, and I'm going to spin this in a positive way. The Big Ten waited, and they saw how other conferences were progressing. Uh, We still have teams like LSU and Oklahoma and other teams where people where they have whole units sick with COVID. So we're still, I, I know everyone is like, just let them play, just let them play, just let them play. And besides the long-term risk, we're still right here where we don't know what happens if all your linemen come down, if all your, like, how does, how does that happen? I mean, we saw last weekend that two games had to be postponed because, you know, um, because of COVID concerns. With all of that said, I am excited. You know, I can't wait for my Spartans to take the field. I can't wait to watch Big Ten football. Um, and maybe we even get some Friday games. Uh, I saw some twi- some tweets saying that uh, there could be a couple Friday games uh, just so that they can make the college football playoffs. I am so excited too, Dante. It, October 23rd or 24th is going to be like Thanksgiving before Christmas. It's one of my favorite holidays. <laughs> And it's like Christmas came even earlier because then right before Christmas, 
We have college basketball starting off as well. Yep. We got that confirmed. I mean, I am so happy right now. Oh, I when they made the announcement, I felt so much joy to know that I'm going to have Big Ten football. Because right now, like, football's going on, and I was so happy this weekend. It felt normal almost. Like, it wasn't normal, obviously. I mean, you just look at the TV. There aren't anybody in the stands. You know you're still in the middle of a pandemic. But it felt... Like it felt good for the first time in a while. Um, I would say the the Big Ten is the best spin zone ever. Like, yeah, this yeah. whole thing has been a fucking disaster. But they do have the best spin zone as far as, like, well, we waited until we were in a position to be successful with this. Like, they now get yep. to come out and say, like, when we come back to play, we're going to be able to do daily testing. We're going to have rapid testing. We're going to – we have all these things in place because we waited. We didn't have huge – we haven't had any postponed games as of right now. We've, we've been able to kind of sit back and see what organizations have done it well, what organizations have done it bad, things like that, like collect data, see where we're at. Um, yeah, I think ultimately this, this is the – it was going to be impossible for the Big Ten to sit out when the SEC, the ACC – Yes. And everybody else is going. Um, so yeah. it's, it would, and it would be unfair to Ohio State. I'm not an Ohio State fan. Yeah, I don't care about Ohio State, but I realize how well put together that team is. And you cannot tell me that Ohio State can't play with Clemson. You cannot tell me that Ohio State can't play with LSU. It's just it's impossible. I I am I'm that much of a sports uh, that much of a Big Ten person to realize that like it, it's unfair. And I think Ohio State will probably go undefeated in the Big Ten this year yeah i mean there are one risk i think and i know me and tim tim we both agree like wisconsin is like the prototypical like most consistent organization ever but can never pull the big one through if they don't have to play like on the other side of the big 10 and they only have to play ohio state and like the big 10 championship they yeah. are a team i could see like just randomly catching lightning in a bottle potentially and maybe beating ohio mm -hmm. state but outside of that you're right i don't think ohio state loses here outside of like catching a team catching lightning in a bottle for one game one night yeah in the big 10 championship which ohio state is due for one of those every year yeah and somebody will put 55 points on them <laughs> yep yes <laughs> they're due for one purdue game a year yeah one purdue game a year so we got eight game i mean we got nine games eight uh conference games and or interconference games and one crossover game. Honestly, if you're asking me, they should drop that conference game and we could start a weekend. We could start, yeah, a weekend earlier. Just drop the the crossover matchup. I don't think it's necessary in this front. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know where you stand on that, Tim, but I don't, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I don't. I I'm sorry, I missed that. <laughs> you were talking about dropping the crossover game. Yeah, just drop just the crossover game. Yeah. Okay. I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I don't disagree I don't with disagree it from, with especially that. the perspective of like, chances are you probably gonna have to postpone a game. So like, yep. you're gonna want a cushion. I don't hate it now that like I'm I'm thinking about it. And I'm processing it. I don't hate leaving a weak cushion if you have to, to postpone some games because we've seen it like with Virginia Tech and the Virginia teams they've had to do it. Memphis and Houston had to postpone. Like we've seen Baylor, Baylor. had a huge problem. They had to postpone. Like we've seen games. That's why the board this week is just, I mean, one, it's atrocious because not everybody's playing it. Like the ACC is, or SEC isn't going yet and things like that. But like we've seen it. So like leaving a game cushion, especially when the Big Ten is going to be running up against such a hard deadline. Um, yep. I, honestly, I think that's more bravado. I think that deadline's a little looser than 
people would like to admit. Um, I doubt the also, playoffs kicking off if they don't get a Big Ten team in, but yeah. Let me wildly, again, I'm not a reporter, uh, as Sir Yacht has said, Mr. Tugboat has said, I am not a reporter. This is for <laughs> entertainment purposes. I saw a tweet from less than reputable source that said that the first game of the year could be Michigan and Michigan State just based off logistics. That would be That fire. would be crazy. Fire. That would be awesome. I would. <laughs> I would love it. How are we? How I guess that's a good question. Before we move on to the next subject, one I, which is going to be Sir Yacht here in a second. But where are you standing on Michigan State this year? Because honestly, that's a team new coach, clean start. That's a wash. Like yeah, like do, are there any I, expectations I, going into the season for the two of you? No, I'm I'm excited, but it's more excited to see like what this program could be in the future. Because mm-hmm. um, I texted Dante as soon as this broke, and I was like, "Am I being too optimistic, hoping for a three and five season?" Because I really think that might be their ceiling. Um, they're not that good, um, so I, I don't think they're going to be very good. But as long as we don't have to see the same archaic offense that we have the past. Oh, I don't know, six, seven years mm-hmm. um, with this new coach. As long as we don't see um, repeated stupidity, I think we'll be headed in the right direction, and I'll be excited to see where it is. And I'm excited to see if they can find a quarterback for next year, to be honest with you. Not named Rocky. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> Not named Rocky. I mean, it, Rocky Lombardi is like, um, is, is like his name. Um, when it last was really um, uh, when when it was in football last, because um, that's kind of how he plays. He just is a quarterback that can run the ball like a fullback. Yeah, I so I I'm in the same boat that Tim is in. Um, I think this is a preview for what's to come for Michigan State. I think um, three wins, four wins is probably the ceiling. I th- realistically, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, that's why I leave it up to you, Nate. Uh, <laughs> the only games I could bet on are Rutgers and Maryland. I don't, you know, and so with that said, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that MSU will do much this year. It will be nice to see a new coaching style. It will be nice to see the players back on the field. It'll be nice to, um, crack open a beer and watch my Spartans take the field. There you go. Yeah. And that's one of those things that excites me even more about possibly playing Michigan first is because um, even though we're not the team at risk of no. being rusty because yep. <laughs> we're expected to be bad. So um, especially with them trot, trotting out a, a brand new quarterback with Joe Milton since uh, Dylan McCaffrey is now um, – transferring so he clearly lost the job yeah um so i don't know if that means joe milton's good or if dylan mccaffrey's just not that good so watching that game michigan state could have a chance to clip them i mean this is me being 1000 percent optimistic unrealistic a kid on christmas day but it could happen it could joe milton but here's my thing with joe milton like does that mean that they have to change their offense to match the quarterback for Michigan? Is Michigan capable of doing that? Well, no. Joe, Joe Milton would be the the prototypical pro style quarterback. Pro style quarterback, not a 
Not yeah, that, okay. he can bomb the he bombs the ball down the field. He's just horribly and he's just not. He's not from what I've heard, he's not very accurate, but he bombs the ball down the field. So if Nico Collins were he's actually there. playing there again, um, but he's opting out. He signed with Drew Rosenhaus. So if he if he was there and if their normal wide receivers were there, it would fit right in. But I mean, who knows what's going on with Michigan? Yep. Well, if he had the no-fly zone, that's the perfect quarterback for us, too, because a quarterback that just throws it and not accurate, whew, that'd be exactly. great to watch. You have all <laughs> secondary back there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, man. But Julian those days Barnett are long gone. Would be, Julian Barnett would be looking like a wide receiver playing quarterback against Joe Milton. The good old days where our, our defense would outscore our offense by two touchdowns. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That, you sort of brought up a point because we're going to make a quick transition to sort of wrap up the show. I am excited. It would be great to have Michigan-Michigan State start off the season for Big Ten. I think that would be fire. Gambling, I would definitely want to see Michigan State. Let's talk a little gambling here. Oh, real quick, real point before I forget. I don't know if you all saw this. I know we have some thoughts on Sir Yacht, but Sir Yacht, if he can do it, if he can will somehow this way to happen, he is now he's now trying to work his, I guess we can call it, magic um quotation marks i know you can't see them uh on the audio side of it if you're watching this on the video side you see it he's working on the pac-12 and mac action now apparently so we'll see what that reporting looks like um please quick 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 hot take on maction though is there anything better than maction still planning on delaying till january i don't hate it because they will be the only football in town and yeah. you'd be able to watch them from January through March. Yeah. Be great. That would be way better than them coming back right now. One of the best things about Maction is turning your TV on on a Thursday night and watching. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. That, that is Maction. Turning on your TV when you don't expect to see football and seeing yep. football. <laughs> and that's what would happen with Maction being delayed. I, <sighs> I agree. I don't hate it. All right. I'm going to quickly run down my bets here because we, we want to wrap up this episode. Tim, you can, can chime in with your thoughts if you want. Same here with you, Dante. I've, only, I've got a few picks today. i just also going to throw this out here. I know the viewers, if you weren't following all, it's I cannot stress this enough. Follow us at Trophy Kids Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Want to know what my record was there, uh, Tim, last week? What was it? 14 wins, 6 losses, no big deal. That's a 70% win percentage. Woo! There we go. Bada bing, bada boom. We should be selling this part of the pie. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm letting that be known now because I know Tim, who knows my gambling habits well, there's a weekend coming, and it's coming like a freight train where I'm going to post like a big old like 1 in 7. But, hey, maybe not this hey, year. Maybe not. Ha- positive vibes only. Good crap. That happens to all yeah. gamblers. Quick update. Celtics are up 60 to 47. Oh, yeah. They're crushing it. Kemba's shooting well, too, it looks like. I've, I've caught a couple in the glints of my eyes. Um, this week, though, I hate the board. I absolutely hate the board for college football this week. So what I'm doing, aim small, miss small. Betting only a small amount of games. I threw the picks out on the general report. I got a couple to add there. First game, Miami-Louisville. I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. Miami's O-line is a liability. It is still trash. I feel bad for De'Aaron King because he should be a contestant for um, Heisman potentially, and I don't know how well that's going to go. But he did show flashes of why he could be great. I like the over here. Both teams like to push the ball. 
I think there's going to be a lot of points scored here, mostly by Louisville. They're quick score offense. I like the over. What's the over at, Nate? 65. I should also preference. Sorry. 65? Yeah. Lines, two and a half. Ooh. Louisville's favored. Over-unders at 65. I uh, love the Louisville. Yeah. What? I think he said he loved Louisville. Oh, yeah. I don't hate it. I'm just going over on that one. South Florida and Notre Dame. Notre Dame. They looked good towards the end of that football game. Looked real. I called that. Talk about a game being called perfectly. I bet it three separate ways. I hit all three. I hit the under. I hit Duke covering, and I hit Duke first quarter. I mean, uh, perfect game. Love you, Duke. Um, I'm going to go against you later. Uh, Notre Dame, though, 25-point favorite. 25-and-a-half is the line. Over under 48-and-a-half. I think Notre Dame's going to blow the barn doors off South Florida. South Florida is trash. They can't throw the ball at all. They played um, the Citadel. Yeah, the Citadel. Couldn't throw it on the Citadel. How are you going to no. throw it against Notre Dame? Like, am I out of my mind here? Like, how is this only 25 no. and a half? <laughs> this is one of those games where, I, like, where you watch just to see how bad the it's going to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully Notre Dame doesn't do that thing that big teams do, though, where they play down to their competition. And the game won't be close, but you're like, Notre Dame, you should be up by more than two touchdowns right now. I hope that doesn't happen to Notre Dame. But I doubt it will, but it could. I don't think it will. I think Notre Dame got their oh shit moment in that first half against Duke. Duke, um, yeah. And then started to collectively pull it all back together and realized that they were really playing football. Yeah, I agree. I, I like Notre Dame there. I like them at 25 and a half. That is my pick. Wake Forest, NC State line. NC State is somehow, I, I know why they're the favorite here because Wake Forest just got the shit kicked out of them. But it's a two and a half line. Over under is 52. Call me crazy. I like Wake Forest here. NC State has not been the team that we're used to. That offensive passing game has struggled here. Um, and Wake Forest is battle tested. They got the shit kicked out of them against Clemson. But once Clemson pulled their starters, they played pretty good. And that's essentially the talent. Like, I think the backups for Clemson are better than the starters for NC State. Call me crazy. But like, I think that has some merit to it. The Wake Forest team looks – they have a good defensive line. Um, I kind of like Wake Forest. I mean, I do like Wake Forest. I'm taking here, here at two and a half as my pick. Um, I like a money line, to be honest. I think they're going to win this football game. I do like Wake Forest as well. I do think they're pretty good. I have not seen NC State play, and I do not know anything about NC State. No, me neither. Uh, at this point. They haven't played so, yet. That's another reason I'm winning that way. Ah, so this is their first game, so they got to shake the rust off. Yeah, and they weren't very good well, last year. Was trying to go up against um, Wake Forest, who has already gotten punched in the mouth, and they didn't. I mean, they bounced back as much as somebody can against Clemson, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, other game I like. I don't. Boston College Duke line is six. Duke's favored six. Over under is fifty one and a half. Boston College hasn't played. I don't know too much about on this team. This is what I know. Because when I saw that, I initially was like, ooh, something intrigued me about that. Initially, the gut perked up. Duke played okay again. They played about what I thought they were going to play against Notre Dame. They didn't wow me. Chase Bryant wasn't as good as I thought he was going to be. At times, he was good, for sure. And they looked good at times, but it wasn't very consistent. Then again, it was against Notre Dame. I kind of like BC here. I mean, they're a team that hangs their hat on running the football well. They still got a good running back. They have a Notre Dame. The guy, their quarterback's a transfer from Notre Dame. They got a new coach. 
I don't love all that, but I do kind of love this game being really kind of just grimy and just running the football on low scoring. And that's why that six number feels a little big. So I'm going BC here. I'm taking BC. It's a it's a pure gut play. I know also the one thing I do know about BC, their offensive mm-hmm. line play is good. And that I think is super important if you're going to try to run the ball well. And I think it's going to be low scoring. I also like the under here, but I'm not giving it as an official pick. Um, actually, screw that. I am 51 and a half under. I like that under. <laughs> I think it's going to be a low scoring affair. I think it's going to be a lot of running. I think it's going to be some inconsistent passing. I think it's going to, and six feels like a big number there. That's all I really have on that game. See, <laughs> yeah. See, I was kind of going the opposite. My ears kind of perked up when I heard the 51 and a half, and I knew that BC had a new, a new team. Um, they haven't really been tested. They have a transfer from Ohio State, like you said, and a transfer from uh, Notre Dame at quarterback. And I thought, man, maybe they could put the uh, maybe they could put up a few points. But that's also the gut talking, and my gut is not as accurate as Nate's. So um, I, I will let that be where that be. <laughs> Last pick, and I don't know how. I'm not giving this as an official pick yet. You have to is follow it the UCF game yep you read my yep. mind man <laughs> i'm gonna give the official pick on day of so follow trophy kids pod the game is at the number is seven and a half you mm-hmm. ucf is favored over under 62 i'm all over the place on this one Ah. Man, that is like the game. I know, like they're the Clemson is playing, Notre Dame is playing, but like that UCF, yeah, Georgia Tech. I'm excited. I want to, I want to see that. <laughs> I'm with you, man. Georgia Tech looked good. Like the second year in that offense, they looked good. And UCF, I mean, is an offensive powerhouse. Yeah. Um, it's super intriguing. The fact that it's only at seven. I know UCF hasn't played, and I'm I'm a big fan right now. If you haven't played. I, I prefer the underdogs unless you're a real powerhouse team like Clemson and, and things like that, even though I got that one wrong. Um, I don't know. Where, I'm not I don't, I'm not ready to make a pick there, but, man, does that game jump off the page as far as, like, must-watch this week. And a high rank – like, I don't know what's the highest UCF ever has ever been ranked, but a hey, high rank champions. UCF. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number one team in the country. To start this point. season, I should say. I don't know how – how high they've been ranked. Yeah. But coming in at 14, it's big. Come on. That offense is that offense is bringing back like their star guys, quarterbacks returning, wide receivers are returning. Like that's a powerhouse offense. But it's week 1, you had a weird preseason. I feel like things could be pretty disjointed. You got Georgia Tech who's got a good defense. The quarterback looked pretty good last week. Like I am leaning Georgia Tech initially. Official picks going to be given out at Trophy Kids Pod on Twitter and Instagram, so make sure you're following there, but I don't know, Tim, if you have any thoughts on it, but that, uh, it's, I, I can't wait to watch that. It's a 3.30 kickoff. No, yeah, you guys covered pretty much the, all the bases on that one. I mean, I'm excited to watch that one because Georgia Tech is starting to starting to break through the chains on that triple option. I mean, yeah. they actually look like a decent football team now. Yeah, so make sure you're following. Those are my picks as of right now. I'm going to give some more picks out. The NFL card is going to be tweeted out. Um, maybe do a, a podcast on that, but I'm going to tweet it out for sure. So make sure you're following us there. Wrapping this all up, I'm going to kick it to you yes. here, Dante. We have a new segment. I don't know what we're going to call this. Dante suspends an account, or we got to find something. Yeah, I don't this. know. We got to get a catchy name for it. But for right now, it's going to be me suspending an account. So last week, I unofficially suspended Sir Yacht's account. And this <laughs> week, the, the Trophy Kids ban <laughs> Yeah, for we- this week. 
is going for a, a Mr. David Hookstead. Um, David decided that he was going to tweet this masterpiece. <clears throat> I've spent the past 188 days fighting to save Big Ten football. Today, we accomplished the mission. Much like the Osama Bin Laden raid or D-Day, you never know when your number will be called to serve. All you hope for is to execute your job and the mission. We did just that. Now, to give you some background, David Hookstead is uh, a right-wing maybe troll but he's definitely um uh, he's definitely over on the right wing and he, he tweets a lot about politics and football you'll see the irony there but something that gets me with this tweet is the as much respect as they command right or that they demand that a, a certain political party demands for the military and you equate the coming back of big 10 football to those soldiers who lost their lives on D-Day. That's, in my opinion, other than the hypocrisy, so unacceptable and distasteful, and this man's account should be permanently banned. It gets the trophy kid banned this week. <laughs> I favor it. Uh, I, I could not believe it. So when I saw it come across my Twitter feed, I only saw that first paragraph, which is I spent the past 100... 88 days fighting to save Big Ten football. Today, we accomplished that mission. And then I clicked on it, and man, did that take a turn. Um, one, also, he's equating, like, he was the reason that they came back. Exactly. I hadn't heard of this dude until this moment. I don't know who the fuck this guy is. Um, I was like, he has to be a troll. There's no way this can be real. How the fuck is this real? But this is an absurd, even in, like, I can't imagine the mindset of somebody who's like, let me type this out. And, like, one, either thinks this is a troll and funny, or two, is dead serious. I have a feeling he might be dead serious. <laughs> I don't think he's serious. His, yeah. his Twitter feed is toxic. It's wild. Like, yeah. I might block him in real life. <laughs> he's getting the real life <laughs> block, too. Yeah, he, he gets the, the trophy kid block. block and the real life block. <laughs> the real block, yeah. He, that, his Twitter feed is something else. He, he tweets both at the same time about not bringing politics into sports and then brings politics into sports Again, the hypocrisy, the the irony is not lost on him. Yeah, no. <laughs> up fucking absurd. I don't know if you have any thoughts to wrap that up, Tim, but absurd. Trophy kid block for sure, David Hoster. Or Hostead. Hookstead. Sorry. Whatever. David, His name is David Hookstead. It doesn't whatever. matter. It doesn't matter. He sucks. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for us this week. As always, peace. <laughs>